Welcome to Sharpen the Public, an NFL and sports gambling podcast made by bettors for bettors. This is and will be the only place that you can learn to leverage public betting trends to win more of your bets in the NFL. Have you ever wondered what it actually means when people say, hey, the public is on this side or the money is on this side? There's no context, but that's what we're here for, to provide context for those numbers. My name is DJ Bianco, and I'm your host of Sharpen the Public. Years ago, I started tracking the public betting numbers for every game in the NFL. I wanted to know, hey, if the public is 55% and the money is 65%, what does that mean? What are the trends for those numbers? If you've ever wondered that, then you've come to the right place. Every week, we're here to recap and preview the upcoming and previous weeks in the NFL. Let's dive into those trends. Welcome to Sharpen the Public. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Sharpen the Public. As always, I'm your host, Deej, back again with my co-host, Andy, here to break down the NFL divisional round of the playoffs. We just finished a, a wonderful wildcard round, and we'll talk about the public betting trends and how Andy and I both did, and Andy scoffs at me. That's wonderful for you. That. Yep. Yeah. Wonderful for you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too. Uh, I'm not too upset with it going seven and two this weekend. You you did tell me. I mean, uh, after the last five or six weeks going to even, you said, "Hey, this is this is your time to bounce back," and it absolutely was. I feel very good about how things are going right now in the playoffs. How about yourself? Uh, feel pretty piss poor, but this is how last year looked too. So, uh, <laughs> if history holds true, then I will bounce back. But ultimately, the form I'm in the last several weeks says otherwise. So we'll see what happens, but. I think I trusted my gut a little bit too much. I did feel like the trends that we used were sufficient for a lot of these. Like, I mean, I guess, but then again, most of my trends that I had were relating to the Texans, which was my my big and one only win. So we will we will bounce back this week. But uh, there you go. It, it that's was the mentality. It was a lot more difficult than I anticipated. That's for sure. Uh, that's the mentality to have. But Texans money line was right, so at least those in- instincts, you know, are killing it. I. I this is going to be a tough week, I think, because the spreads are fairly large, and we're gonna our instincts are gonna try and pull us in one way, and then some trends might push us in the other direction. So it's gonna be stuff that we're gonna to have to talk about. But on this episode, we're gonna to plan to talk about obviously how the public and all the public betting trends we talk about every week, how they did in Week 18. I'm sorry, in Wild Card Week, we'll talk about how they fared in the divisional round last year, and kind of go off of stuff stuff like that. It's kind of a little bit what we talked about last week for the Wild Card Week. Um, we're going to go over some Super Bowl futures that we think are, are are the best, like who's going to win the NFC, who's going to win the AFC, stuff like that. And then obviously we'll break down every game as we usually do. I do want to talk about the games a little bit, Andy, like the Texans-Browns game. I feel like we were all over that. Texans being the non-public side, Browns being very public, you know, as a, as a road favorite in the playoffs is, is not so great. And we know that, you know, in the wildcard round over the last several years before this week, now 10 and 3 and 2 after this week ATS uh with the Bucks also covering. So good to see that. Especially I think I wanted to preface it because we saw that the public was 1 and 5 ATS on the Browns over the course of the regular season. To see them lose again on the Browns is like a nod to saying that the public's betting trends actually indicate some stuff. So it's it's cool to see that stuff like that happen. Yeah, I was surprised that it ended up being that big of a blowout, but I mean that was one where you kind of got to pick your poison between what trends you liked more because there were trends that backed Flacco there were trends that backed the Browns but I did feel like the overwhelming amount of trends or and there's also trends that went up against a rookie quarterback but for me I feel like the overwhelming trends were against the Browns on the road the Browns were abysmal on the road you also look at the strength of schedule for the Browns which you and I have talked about a bit a couple of times throughout the season and then for Stroud as I highlighted, he is not your typical rookie quarterback. He's doing stuff yeah. that put him into the actual MVP conversation, not the rookie of the year conversation, the MVP combo. So um, that should give people some confidence if they are Houston backers heading into the matchup this weekend. But for me, I, I'm I'm not totally confident in that. I think that number is a little too big, but I'm still kind of interested to hear your stance on it when we get there. But yeah, that, that one was a really interesting one. Definitely got out of hand, though. Yeah, that's going to be a really fun one to talk about. Another NFC or AFC North divisional matchup for the Texans. But yeah, kind of in the same boat. I think that the for the kicker for me was one, the public and the, and the ATS trends. But two, Flacco being 38 years old, I think those 5-0 and ATS trends and the 11-4 and in the playoffs was, was a bit over overhyped. And obviously we saw the Texans absolutely dominate the Browns who were bad on the road. Other games, I don't necessarily want to talk about the Eagles. 
Uh, I'm glad I stayed away. I, I was leaning Eagles and under, and I ended up just taking nothing, just trying to appreciate the game for what it was, and I honestly wish I didn't watch it at all. So sad to see that. Sad to see Jason Kelsey go, but that's the way the NFL moves. Uh, Bills-Steelers was was fun to watch, watch the Bills rake it in and, and kind of take care of business against Mason Rudolph, and now we got the Chiefs-Bills matchup, which is going to be really fun to break down. Um, anything else that you want to talk about? Wildcard week, uh, Cowboys big loss. So, I mean, as an Eagles fan, happy to see the Cowboys also lose and bad for the NFC East, but great for great. So I'm okay with it. NFC East is a joke. Uh, and people <laughs> have tried to ridicule the AFC South and NFC South for years now. But uh, let's just say, hey, both of those ended up going 2-0 and in the playoffs to the NFC East grand total of only <laughs> two. So proud of my boys in the South representing. Very scared that I have to deal with CJ Stroud for the next decade to 15 years, depending on how long his career lasts. And that is that. Oh, the other thing. I should have known all along about the Dolphins, dude. I, I was just like, I cannot, like, I cannot keep going with this logic of, oh, they're due when they hadn't <laughs> been a single team above 500 all year. And they go into terrible conditions in Arrowhead. Yeah. And I yeah. think that they can do it um, on a four and a half point spread. It was always the Chiefs. It, it was absolutely always the Chiefs, no matter how bad the Chiefs form has been recently and how much doubt you can put behind them. I think that that is something that we can take into account more in the Chiefs and Bills game. Their poor form going up against a more of a red-hot team in the Bills. But yeah, uh, it, <laughs> it, it was always the Chiefs. And I don't know why I I kind of talked you out of your Rams teaser. And then I personally ended up teasing the Texans with the Cowboys and with the Dolphins. So just some personal <laughs> losses all around in the wild card. Just getting a little overexcited kind of acting like the public a bit which i which i am and i, I gladly would have been the- now i'm rambling um that's all i really got i i'm i'm interested to see some of the trends for this week too as well as how do the public do after having such a scorching hot uh 2023 yeah that's a great question great leeway into our first segment so let's talk about how the public betting trends went in week and the wildcard week so average total interesting was was up to, to 46 which is of note, obviously, because the totals have been like 40-41-ish through the course of the season, and still, I think we went, yeah, 3-3 three and three to the over and under. So, cool to see as, you know, we get to better teams playing, the overs and unders are hitting more often than we thought. But anyway, public in the wildcard week went 2-4 and four ATS, Andy. Not too great for them. They did do well over 65%. They went 1-0 and over 65%, 1-4 below that we kind of talked about how the best range for the public over the course of the year was actually over that 65 percent which is interesting there was nothing above 70 percent but the the one game that they did have was the rams where they covered they also backed the bills and covered but they backed the wrong team in all other games i was kind of on i mean i i I talked about how the public you don't have to be scared about how the public does in wildcard week the divisional round, it's, it's. I mean, it's a bit of a toss-up now. We have such less data when we drag, you know, we have now, f- what is it, four games as opposed to eight games or six games last week. So interesting stuff nonetheless, but two and four. We'll talk about how the public and stuff did in last year's divisional round, but public, again, two and four, ATS in this round. Money went three and three. Sharp differential went three and three. Following in the steps of what they did last year, nothing really too crazy there. High money did well, one and oh below i mean 65 percent. it's two and two or two and three so nothing too crazy really high sharp differential was was the packers game there was a massive sharp differential with public on the cowboys and then a heavy money on the packers uh it was the only sharp differential to co- cover above 10 percent. everything else was below 10 percent. again two and three because the one and oh was above that number so interesting i mean i, I want to talk about that packers stuff thing quick i think if we do see discrepancies like like that game where there's a massive difference between the public and the money moving on over the course of the year, you know, when there's such and such information about these games, I think I'm going to back the money over the public at this course of the, at this point in the year. But that's just my opinion. I think at, at this point, you know, especially the, to, to see where those line movements happen early on. And that's something I'll focus on when we talk about each game, you know, so if uh, the spreads, this, for example, in the in the Packers and who the Packers played, the Packers and Niners game, the, pa- the spread opened at 10. It was instantly moved to nine and a half, indicating that people are thinking the spread might be a little too large for for Brock Purdy at home. But again, we'll color all that when we get there. 
Um, to finish off totals, public went two and one on the over. Public went two and one on the under. Cool to see there. Public doing well on both totals. Money went two and one on the over. Sharp differential three and zero on the over. What did I say, Andy? I said I'm going to follow the sharp differential on the over. It did well, three and zero. Sharp differential on the under also three and zero. So sharp differential on the totals went perfect. Uh, in wild oh, that's week, incredible, which, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then finally, money percentage on the under two and one. So obviously a lot of numbers there. There's not much data. So if you have any questions, Andy, just let me know. But not too much to go off of other than the public being two and four. And then a cool, nice six and zero oh for a sharp differential on totals. No, not much to add there. I uh, appreciate you kind of walking me through those trends because I, I think they're interesting to hear. But I do feel like there are more actionable tr- trends in regards to how we see things shape up round to round. And how certain teams fare when they have rest, as well as how certain one seeds have historically fared coming off of rest, not just how that one particular team has fared with rest too. So um, you can kind of build a case depending on what you're able to do from those trends rather than just um, the ones that you read off. But I think the, the Sharps doing well is definitely interesting. The public's going two and four, falls in line with what you said historically. Now we'll see if they bounce back to go. Um, kind of how they did in the regular season, but if not, then maybe finally is the reckoning for the public that we thought we were going to get a while ago. Yeah, that's a that's a great leeway into our ne- uh, like talking about 2022 and how the public did in the divisional round because that's that's now that's what makes us curious. So they went three and three last year in the divisional round, and then moved or I'm sorry, the wild card round, and then moved to three and one ATS in the divisional round. So we saw two and four obviously in 2023 after a very good year for the public. So last year, uh, you could say that they bounced back. But yeah, uh, three and one divisionally or in the divisional round. Uh, the one loss would be when the public backed, the public actually backed the Giants last year over the Eagles, and that was their one loss. <laughs> uh, yeah, the that was a bad choice. Them. Yeah, bad yeah. choice. Um, you and I so were on 20, that one. I'm pretty sure. We were on the Giants? No, no we were on, on the Eagles. On the, we were on the Eagles, oh, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I was yeah, we're, we're all over the Eagles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just like I was last week, but yeah, less, less games means a lot more focus. So it's, I, I think f- following public betting trends is, is difficult year to year, but we can also, I mean, as we do all this, we'll aggregate information over the course of time. But anyway, yeah. So in 2022, the public went three and one ATS on, uh, spreads. They went oh and four backing the over because <laughs> all four games went under, uh, they, so they didn't even put place a bet towards the under money percentage went two and two sharp differential two and two. Money percentage on the over, 0-2, obviously. Sharp differential on the over, 0-2, which would make the money percentage on the under 2-0, and the sharp differential on the under 2-0. Both of those, the money percentage was 70, both games were 70% or more of money on the under, and both games were 20% or more sharp differential towards the under. So that's pretty interesting to note. I don't think we're going to have much of that this week. There are some, total-wise, there are some, like, wind applications that are of note i think there's like 30 mile an hour gusts predicted in in baltimore on sunday and then like 20 25 mile an hour gusts in san francisco so that's definitely going to be a point of discussion for our divisional round talks but nonetheless still pretty interesting definitely interesting i don't, I don't have a ton to add there yes yeah, okay totally fine okay before we move into the games i do want to do a couple things and you talk about a little bit of futures and super bowl totals uh, Super Bowl futures, and then kind of what you anticipate happening in these next couple of matchups. So first things first, of the matchups this week, which team do you think will be the public's most public side? Obviously, we have the Texans uh, and and the Ravens. You've got you've got Packers and Niners. You've got Packers and Niners, Bucks, Bucks and Lions, Lions and Chiefs and Bills. Um, I've got the Packers and Niners because I think that there is a ton of narrative around this Packers team after what they did to the Cowboys. You are not only benefiting off of the Cowboys media hype that you're getting, um, but you're also getting the Jordan Love storyline that people are falling in love with as they head into San Fran. A team that was getting all the hype the first half of the year, and then they had those injuries come in where they picked up those three losses. Then they started to pick up steam again. It seemed like people weren't talking about them a ton. And then just to get smoked by the the Ravens around the holidays. So I think that this is a really solid uh, buy low opportunity if you want to go up against the public on this one because people are going to be 
all in on the Packers. And as you said, when it opened up at 10, people immediately already slammed it um, to where that line moved to nine and a half. Yeah, I, I think that's a good shot. I think it's between the Packers and between the Texans. I think the C.J. Stroud narrative and the Jordan Love narrative are going to be so heavy over this yeah. week that we that we lead up to the divisional round. Right now, we see the Texans as having the the most public tickets, but obviously it's only Tuesday's recording. That's 69%. And then the Packers come in a close third, actually, with 63%, and the Lions being the third, the second highest at 65%. The most questionable game right now for the public is the Bills-Chiefs game, with which I think makes complete sense. I think that's going to be everyone's favorite matchup to watch, especially with the Chiefs, you know, Mahomes, Allen back, back again matchup now the Chiefs first time in uh, Buffalo for a divisional playoff game or any playoff game for that matter so a lot of really exciting stuff to talk about when we get to that one other things I want to talk about Andy I want to talk about now the the Cowboys are gone who is your playoff Super Bowl favorite who do the odds say is going to win it or who do I think is going to win it who do you think obviously the the odds still say the Niners and then crazily the Packers are still plus three thousand to win the NFL or to win the Super Bowl yeah, um, I've seen some things that say that suggest to go ahead and and just sprinkle a little bit on the Packers, but ultimately you're going to be joined by uh, tons of other people. That's what the books want you to do is to start to give them a little bit of a relief on the liability they already probably have on the Niners and the Ravens. I think it's still between those two, um, and I'm still going to go. I'm going to go with the Ravens. I know that they already beat the Niners once. Um, I just worry that the Niners core guys are a little too injury prone, where if one falls over these next two games for them or gets hurt in the big game, then they are ultimately screwed. Whereas we've seen a pretty solid next man up mentality from the Ravens the last several years. Um, and they finally have been able to put it together and be healthy or more healthy than they were previously this year, except at running back, uh, except <laughs> the tight end. But you've seen guys like Isaiah likely step up I mean, they've had like 10 running backs step up this year too. So uh, I think it's a little bit different for them with the injuries they've got where they've seen guys step up compared to the Niners if one guy goes down and what is going to be some really hard-fought games coming up, um, then they could be a lot more screwed. Yeah, I I, kind of feel the same. I think at the end of the day, we can talk about like what what if it isn't the Niners, what if it isn't the Ravens, but at the end of the day, I think those are the two best teams in the NFC and AFC. I I don't I I don't think as of right now, based on you know not watching the either of those teams play in the wild card round, I would have to lean Ravens as well. Uh, in Vegas, I would probably give I'd probably say the Ravens you know minus one and a half, minus two at this point would be my would be my Super Bowl line. I think. I think their defense has shown time and time again how dominant it is against amazing offenses, especially beating, you know, the Niners already. Do I think the Niners can win it? Yes, I, I agree with the injury-prone take, but I think there's there might be too much weight on their shoulders and something that not necessarily Brock Purdy can handle, but something Lamar can and something John Harbaugh certainly can. It would be an amazing Super Bowl, especially a rematch from the Super Bowl several years ago where it was the Harbaugh Bowl, so... Something I'm looking forward to, and if I were to place a bet on the NFL futures at this point, I would definitely take the Ravens. Yeah, I'm not going to yet because it's just the two, the two favorites you're betting. I tried to get really cute with the angle of taking the Cowboys to win the NFC <laughs> literally four to five days ago whenever we recorded last. Um, and ESPN emailed me, though, didn't for they? It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ESPN emailed me after uh, saying, no, don't take our narrative. We're supposed to be talking about the Cowboys, not you smaller podcasts. Um, so, <laughs> fair I, enough, fair uh, enough. Yeah. I, I don't have any creative angles right now. Yeah, I wish I had more. I mean, when it gets, like, in the week between Super Bowl and, you know, where the when the Pro Bowl happens, we can talk about, like, pl- props and stuff and some fun angles to bet the Super Bowl. But as of right now, let's just kind of stick to the normal stuff that we've been doing. Last thing yeah. I, I'm curious. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think the Niners have the, by far the easiest path to get there now, though. I yeah, just don't think that this Lions team stacks up anywhere close to the Niners um, when the Niners are fully fit. Yeah. And like, you, can also make an, like, you can also make an argument that, I, and I, we'll, see, we'll see how you feel about your boy Baker when we get to that game, but like they looked really fucking good against you guys. And you, 
to be fair, the Eagles have been in horrendous form, so they were taking advantage of that in a sense, and I still don't think the Buccaneers are that great of a team, but they have started to come into their own a little bit here down the stretch, which is is interesting, but um, and I, I really just think this is quite literally the easiest path the Niners could have got because it should have been either y'all or the Cowboys giving them a threat, and then you both fell flat on your face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's move on. Um <laughs> Uh, I think, yeah, I, I agree. I think the, the Niners have a really easy schedule. I think the Ravens, obviously, we're going to have to go through the Chiefs and Bills, so maybe that adds a little bit of that, of that dynamic, but we can talk about that next week whenever that happens. Let's move into talking about the games, Andy. So we have first thing first on Saturday, Texans plus 9.5 in Baltimore. This line has uh, opened up at 9.5. has actually moved to 9 in a lot of spots, and obviously that's C.J. Stroud narrative and – that whole path uh, is part of this, but Texans certainly sitting at 69% of the bets, 92% of the money, 58% of the bets on the under, actually setting at 44. Total open to 46 and has moved to 44 and 43 and a half in some spots. So again, under has 58% of the bets and 98% of the money. Again, I kind of mentioned it already, but the there is a weather aspect to this game. They're predicting up to upwards of 20 to 5 to 30 mile an hour winds on Saturday in Baltimore. <laughs> Not going to be ideal passing DJ weather. And that's, that's kind of one of my uh, that's one of my angles here talking about the game. So I like the under just for that. But looking at the game, obviously C.J. Stroud is an electrifying quarterback. He's one of the best in the NFL, if not one of the best eight, well, in the NFL, which is pretty impressive to say as a rookie. R.I.P. to the Carolina Panthers franchise for not drafting him. So sorry for you and Charlotte, Andy, and all your fellow supporters of the Panthers. It's not over yet. Um, it's not over yet. I don't want to turn this into a Bryce Young segment, but I still have <laughs> hope for for my local guy here. But um, yeah, it, it is. It, it it just goes to show too. The draft is such a crapshoot. Like, it really is. Like I do it, think it, Caleb it Williams is gonna stuff. be awesome. Like I I think that the if the Bears end up taking him or whoever trades for him at number one will ultimately be rewarded. But that I also think that the quarterbacks in this class are just better than the quarterbacks last year. It's such a crapshoot that. Somebody CJ Stroud like, would have something to say about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, dude. I mean, hey, that's why I really want. I really wanted the Colts to get him, but um, hey, we, we got our guy. They are. That's fine. They are good. Fine. All right, let's let's stick to the Texans Ravens. The angle that I, there's two angles that I want to talk about. So divisionally, in the divisional round, um, there's some trends regarding the 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 first overall seed and and what happens after that buy. So I want to talk about that, and that's also going to apply to the Packers Niners game. But before we get to that. I want to like the Ravens in this spot because I think their defense is far better than the the Browns would have showed or did show last week, mainly because they're playing at home and, you know, they, they average, what, 18 points per game just in general, and the Browns average 22 points per game on the road but 14 points per game allowed um, at home. So very, very, very big difference, and that was kind of what we saw obviously when C.J. Stroud was able to light them up. Now you're adding in the fact that C.J. Stroud is the, has the highest air yards per pass left in the NFL. Second is actually Lamar Jackson, but you're putting him into 25-mile-an-hour, 30-mile-an-hour wins against a team that he's already played. Obviously, it was only game one, and he scored nine points. So I think this defense is going to have a lot of ways to defend him, especially given the fact that the weather's going to play a factor. And even though Lamar is the second in the air yards, which is actually pretty crazy to me, left in the NFL, I think him and that Ravens offense have a much better chance of running the ball on the Texans defense than, you know, vice versa than the Ravens, you know, the Texans running offense, which has not been great on the Ravens defense. So that's the first angle. Second thing, so that that that's what makes me want to lean the Ravens. Conversely, Historically, divisional round favorites, for one, is are not great, ATS. And then specifically, even the first overall teams are also not great. <laughs> Home favorites are just 42% ATS in this round. So that's obviously the, the, the Ravens. One seeds are 35% ATS over the last 20 years, including a 10-25-1 ATS when favored by 10 or less. Yeah, that was a trend that I was going to call it as well, so I'm glad that you highlighted it because um, we have two games 
I mean, both these games here started at 10 and now I've gone into that uh, 10 or less zone. Yeah. So, and then the other thing is over the last 20 years, both one seeds have covered twice in one year over the last twice and the same gone, time. Yeah. And they've gone 0 2 eight times in that same span. So, more often than not, you know, whatever happens in game one, if the Texans manage to cover, then, you know, we can bet the, the Niners and, and, and be at a, have a good chance. Or if they, if the Ravens end up covering, then it's very unlikely that the Niners are going to cover something like that. So that's, I think this is a bit of an interesting matchup now that you got CJ Stroud and he's already won one playoff game is how, how rare is it for rookies to win two? So that whole angle, it's confusing. Trends point me towards the Texans, but I, I, I instinctively want to back the Ravens, which historically is a bad thing in divisional rounds. Yeah. The Niners went one and um after their one and out they won after their bye week and then the the ravens actually lost after their bye week um in terms of how the total fared in both of those the niners team went under after their bye week but then baltimore's went over so also take that as you will most of the games actually this season after a bye week went under only one two three four five six seven eight nine ten teams went over after their bye week i think two kind of going like from a more total angle here deej just bringing the weather into account as well as how Houston has fared um, after some of these certain situations after a win this year Houston are four and six to the over and then as the away team they are also three and five to the over so these games tend to go under uh, for both situations that they're in paired with the weather here paired with the Ravens defense that has had ample time to prep for them I know that that's not necessarily the best thing ATS um, when you were talking about favorites as well as one seeds here it is the more basic play to just ride with the large favorite, and that is something that we'll we'll probably see people do, even though um, <laughs> the public is on both the dogs. I do think that the total might be a more intriguing angle here in this game, as well as the other large total game, or excuse me, as well as the other large spread game in Packers-Niners. But for this one in particular, um, I do feel that I will be taking a closer look at the total. Yeah, I, I like the under. I think it moving up, or starting 46 and dropping immediately auto late to 44 or 43 is a pretty heavy indicator that folks also think, you know, it's going to go under. You know, maybe there's some resistance here at this number, but who's to say? I mean, you have 98% of the money right now on the under in this one. We only have 12,000 12, bets in, so lots to go about. There's also, there's twice the amount of bets on the Packers-Niners game in, than there is in this Texans-Ravens game. So that's interesting. But to close it out, I mean... I I think it's v- going to be very difficult for CJ Stroud to win in Baltimore but the the question becomes is 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 this line too much and it it might be and obviously the line indication line movement indicators are a showing of that uh however the Ravens are an intriguing look for a one of our sharp in the public teaser likes I think we're going to need to get another teaser going and we're gonna have to pick one of these home favorites, or you can, you know, back a large dog. I think, I think one's gonna have to be the Lions, but we can get to that when we get there. I hate it at nine, though. If you're only getting it down to three, you're not actually crossing that three number. If it goes to eight and a half, then uh, I'm all in because you get two and a half. Because then you're actually crossing two key numbers. But right as it stands right now, I can't, I can't do it unless we can find a book that is eight and a half, which I will hunt for really quick. <laughs> I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Okay. Packers plus nine and a half at Niners. Total set at 44. I'm sorry. Total set at 50 and a half. 63% of the bets on the Packers, 62% of the money on the Packers, giving the Niners a slight sharp edge with 25,000 bets. Obviously, this is this is currently the most bet game of the slate. Uh, public is heavy on the over 71%, and sharp differential also heavy on the over at 82%, which has moved the total up 49.5, up to 50.5. Kind of similarly, uh, like I said earlier, the Packers uh, opened at 10-point favorites or dogs and now have dropped to 9.5-point dogs. So also important numbers there. Uh, this is another one I think the line has is, is... This is... Okay, I shouldn't say another one because I think the line is too large in this one. Not so much as I think the the line, the line might be too large in the Ravens game. I think the line is too large here. I think... The Niners uh, kind of leaning into why I think the Ravens are more likely to win the Super Bowl. 
I think they have a lot more liability when it comes to injuries and Brock Purdy turnover ability. Like Brock Purdy has shown that he's capable of of falling apart over the course of the season when he, especially when he doesn't have Debo and or he doesn't have McCaffrey. So there's a lot more things that could go wrong for the Niners than than could go for for the Ravens. I think, and that kind of goes off of what you said with you know next man up mentality for the Ravens versus not so much for the for the Niners. Um, uh, and then a couple more things to back the dogs playing one seeds on a home teams on a one game losing streak in the divisional round over the last 20 years are three and 15 ATS. The Niners lost week 18, despite resting people three and 15 ATS in the divisional round. So that's pretty crazy road teams. This round that missed last year's playoffs are 23 or 27 and 13 ATS. So like the Texans and like the Packers this year. So, if I'm going to back an underdog in these first two games, which is historically one of them will cover, it's the Packers for me. And I wish I got got it at ten, but even at nine and a half, I still I still very much enjoy it. I don't I don't know if they win, but there's a possibility they win. If you know something goes crazy and someone gets hurt, there's a very much a possibility that they win this game. Their their offense looks phenomenal against the Cowboys, and their defense looked really good until it didn't need to, right? Until the the final quarter where Dak actually put up some some garbage time numbers like uh, apart from that game they played nearly a perfect football game i think that game should have stayed as a blowout it's incredible that they were even able to come back that close you saw it on matt lafour's face at the end of the game the sigh of relief he was like holy fuck he literally like you could see him say on the broadcast um that he was so relieved to not let them come back because it looked like they were for a second i don't think that you're gonna see any type of lapse for three quarters with the Niners like you did with the Cowboys where the Cowboys finally woke up in the fourth. Some of these trends that you read off are absolutely damning for <laughs> a for a favorite that is this big for somebody that's coming off of rest. Another thing I want to add too is the Niners are not a super great in the first half. And if we think that the Packers are going to be able to come out and be pretty surgical with a game plan similar to how they were against the Cowboys, like an absolutely an absolute clinic of a game plan for them. And then once that game plan kind of ended, you saw them kind of unravel. Um, to me, I feel like there is an angle to be had here for the Packers on the first half. And that's something that I'll be looking towards a little bit more just because you're getting, um, just because you're getting almost a touchdown worth of points, depending on where you look. So I've got plus six and a half on bet us where I'm looking now and you can find, that's like the best number out there right now. Most of these are moving down a little bit. Let me just double check here. Yeah, most of those are moving down, uh, as is the spread. In in this game and the other game, too. I think the other one's more attributed to the weather. We're seeing that spread move a bit more. We're like that Ravens-Texas game. You can find the Texans at plus 7.5 already on ESPN bet, which is nuts. But it's plus 9 everywhere else. Um, or plus, and it's starting to, to dwindle down. But this one, it's weather's not as much of a factor, right? We're in San Francisco. It'll it'll likely not be that bad. Getting a almost a touchdown in the first half against a team that's not great in DVOA, um, where the Niners are in the bottom half of the league in DVOA versus at home versus a sec being second in DVOA on defense um while they're on the road. That's something that's kind of actionable to me as we get closer to the Super Bowl because the Niners are gonna make the Super Bowl. <laughs> as well as how well that the Packers are going to be moving the ball um, in the air, as well as on the ground. Aaron Jones has been really solid this year, as well as he went off against the Cowboys and is in excellent form. But to, to pair with that, Packers are bottom ten defensive team. I mean, we saw they they, they looked out, they looked all right for a greater part of that game and had some awesome picks. We're also talking about the Cowboys in the playoffs, <laughs> so yeah. some of those are donations. I think that we won't see we won't see that um, we're not going to see Brock Purdy do that against this team, in my opinion. Where there, it's not even a game plan thing; it's all the weapons plus how how talented Brock Purdy is. I don't think that there's going to be really any question of um, that. There's going to be that many picks. Where I actually almost like Brock Purdy not to throw an interception as as one of my props too for this game. Yeah, I think Shanahan's going to drop a very nice game plan to 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 attack Lafleur's Lafleur's defense. Uh, I think I think Green Bay's defense is quietly 
better than people think. It might be ranked 10th, you know, 10th worst, but they allow 16 points per game on the road, which is four points better than what they allow at home, mind you. So I think, and yes, Dak, Dak had plenty of weapons with CD and, and Tony Pollard, and they, I think part of it was Mike McCarthy being stupid and, you know, them not being able to to execute a lot of their plays. But this 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 Packers defense should do better than, than people expect, in my opinion, based on how good they've been on the road over the course of the year. Another angle that I wanted to bring up was the Niners, when uh, favored between three and ten points this year, one and five and one, AT, or two, five and one ATS, excuse me. And then the Packers have been seven point dogs or more once, and they've went or one and zero ATS this season. So I think there's a lot of positive trends backing the Packers, not necessarily to win. Um, this is kind of similar to the game last year, where where the Chiefs where the Chiefs played the Jags, and the, you know the the Jags were nine and a half point dogs, and the Chiefs won twenty seven twenty. You know this is this is kind of a very similar game in my opinion, where the Chiefs and managed to win. Or the, not the Chiefs, but the Niners managed to win, probably only by a touchdown. So I, I really like the Packers, yeah. and I don't know if it's my best bet for the week, but I, I really like it right now. As much as you like the Packers, I actually like the over just because of how um, it's not being talked about that the Niners are in the bottom half of the league by DVOA at home, as well as the Packers are eight and two to the over as the away team this season, which I think is <laughs> very very underrated too. Cleveland was the only team uh, better than them. At nine and zero, so I think that's something that we can definitely um, put a lot of stock in. That their offense is going to show up, and that bottom ten defense might also show up. Um, to compare, the Niners are nine and t- or five and three to the over as the home team, and in the last eight games, the Packers are seven one to the over, while the Niners are five and three to the over. Um, so same record in the last eight games to the over as they have at home to the over. That is one of my favorite bets of. The weekend DJ is that over of 15 and a half. It has moved from 49 and a half where it opened, but you can find that total. Uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna be a little bit different depending on where you shop. I will warn you that this also has high wind, just possibilities. Just keep that in mind. But cool, it'll air out the passes even farther. <laughs> there you go. That's one way to look at it. <laughs> uh, let's move to one that won't have any wind, the only one in a dome. In the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, Bucks plus six and a half currently standing in Detroit. Obviously, the Detroit big Eminem show out. Shout out to Eminem uh, on the broadcast, which is cool. Happy the Lions could get their first win in whatever how long. Um, big for obviously Jared Goff as well, beating Matt Stafford and and McVay in Detroit. So a lot of storylines there. Cool to see uh, the total. The, this one opened at seven, and the Lions have moved to six and a half. I actually, think that's wrong from action. It opened at. Yeah, the line opened at six and is now six and a half. So it's it's been moved in favor of of the Lions, not in favor of the Bucks. Uh, the Bucks are, I'm sorry, the Lions are publicly favored currently right now, sixty five percent of the bets and eighty nine percent of the money, giving them a sharp differential of twenty four. Totals moved up from forty seven to forty eight and a half, with fifty nine percent of the bets on the over, ninety one percent of the money also on the over. What do you, what do you see in this one, Andy? Yeah, I, I wish that not everyone had the same idea as me that the Lions are in a really nice spot here, in my opinion, against a Buccaneers team that, um, in my opinion, is a bit overrated. They came up against your Eagles in absolutely horrendous form. And yes, the like Baker Mayfield and company have been looking a lot better as of late. I thought that defensive line did an awesome job against y'all too. They even, they even stopped a tush push, which I thought was yeah, that's... not – I thought that – could not be done. Was it the first stop of the year? It might have been. No, um, it wasn't. But it wasn't great. That's for sure. Yeah, Vita Vea is a beast. But uh, I'm not entirely sure yet, man. It is still a lot of points, but that total is quite high too. Where I almost feel like the Lions are going to get there. Um, they're going to be able to hold up their end of the bargain, getting to that total of 48 and a half. I'm just not sure if the Buccaneers are going to be able to, even though there are a couple of holes in this Lions defense that I feel like they might be able to exploit. Yeah, so that's a good point. I think totals in general right now, as we kind of transition into this divisional round where there's fewer games, I think everyone's going to really want to be betting overs. And that's exactly what we saw last year. We saw the public go 0-4 backing the over in the divisional round. So I'm, I'm kind of nervous to to think that, you know, a lot of these games are going to go over. I'm kind of leaning towards under, especially with how unders have been over the course of the season, primetime unders and all that with so much 
scrutiny over over certain games, and now totals are really averaging above 46, 47, which is not something we've seen all year. So I think it's a bit of a, a bit. I think they're a bit too high. And then specifically for this game, I think the Bucks offense is going to have a far more difficult time against this Detroit defense because they're so dominant in the defensive line. The Eagles are meant to be that way, but they really didn't get much pressure except for the few sacks that they managed to get. And then they obviously couldn't tackle anyone. So that was a huge thing. I think people are going to really think about the drops the Bucks had, but at the end of the day, it didn't matter. The Eagles could not tackle. They couldn't. Their secondary looked awful. James Bradbury looked absolutely terrible. So as long as the secondary of the Lions can hold up while, you know, Aiden Hutchinson and company get pressure to Baker, where he's usually much worse against pressure because Baker's name of the game is him trying to get the ball out quickly. He, like, consistently averages one of the lowest or the quickest to throw uh, timings over his his career. He's up there with, like, as, as fast as Brady was. So if if the Lions can, can create pressure quickly, which Aiden Hutchinson has shown that he can do, they will have a field day against this this Bucks offense, which has probably hit its peak. Um, that's why I really like the Lions here in a teaser. I know the total's high, but just getting the Lions to win, I think, is is very likely. Here, I like that the Lions moved in our favor from six and a half to or from yeah from six and a half to six. Now, in some spots, uh, I think the Lions' offense can really just score against anyone. The issue is their defense. Like if they were to come against the 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 Niners or even maybe the Texans. It, I don't know if they they would be able to to score enough um, against those teams or to to hold the other teams to whatever because their defense is worse than their offense. But I feel like I'm rambling at that point. But no, I I see what you're saying. Um, something that also scares me for Detroit and it makes me think this spread is too big is you're giving the number one team ATS when when on the road. Six and a half points. That is right. The Bucks are eight and one ATS as the road team this year. And that's a narrative that I don't think is being talked about enough because again, my knee jerk reaction was to kind of back the lines here. And it seems to be what everyone else is doing. Um but why when you have one of, I I think I think it's like also one that people probably aren't that aware of of how good the Bucks are have been ATS on the road. I know that's not one yeah. that I've really actively been pursuing myself, but um, I think that's that's one to definitely take into account. It'd be so crazy to <laughs> to go into the, the NFC Championship and say that Baker Mayfield was playing in it. Um, it, I, like, it it feels so weird. Yeah, I mean, for having like the um, third, like including their playoff win, the Lions are thirteen five, but their margin of victory this year is only three point seven. So, like, the, when you compare that to Baltimore and San Fran, who are at the top, they're 11.9 margin of victory, 11.4 margin of victory, victory for both of those. They're blowing out teams left and right. Same with Dallas. Dallas had a 9.9. Like Buffalo, 8.6. Some of these best teams in the league, like, they have huge margin of victories, and rightfully so. That's why they have such a good record. But Detroit has been in a lot of close games, and that margin of victory kind of shows that. That it's it's been um, – that, that's kind of been their mojo, too. Like, they are a grinded-out team. They are going to – go for um like when they're down they're gonna fight back and, and keep things close as well as like they have been able to put teams away because there has been uh some drive patches for that offense as well as some room for improvement for that defense where there's been some gaps and some holes that people have been able to exploit so I do feel like six and a half is a lot um as the home team too Detroit's margin of victory is eight so take that as you will but again I do find it to be uh quite interesting that for all the really good teams out there, they have by far one of the, the shorter margins of victory this season. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons I like them much more in a teaser. I love the line of six and a half and just getting them to win this game, I think is more likely than the Bucks coming out and winning a, on the road. So uh, that's kind of my my feeling. I'll, I'll, I, the total's high, uh, as I already mentioned, but uh, the last thing I wanted to say is we talked about how bad the public was back in the Browns and that ended up, costing them in in the wild card week the the public's actually obviously the the lines are very good ats this season but public's been phenomenal this year backing the lions they're eight and two ats in the regular season back in lines so i think that's of note based on what happened last week with the with the browns so i'm 
I'm leading Lions, but I do, I do agree with you. I think the line might be a little large, but at the end of the day, I don't see Baker making the NFC Championship. So Lions minus half in, in half of our Sharp and the Public teaser I really enjoy. I'm with you. I, I like the Bucks to cover, but I don't like them to win. I'm not gonna be. They're not gonna be one that I sprinkle on the money line. I feel like I would be. Uh, but I will be potentially sprinkling on the money line for both um, the really big underdogs. Even though I continue to say I think it's gonna be a, a Ravens and Bucks Super. I mean a Ravens. Jesus, not a Ravens Bucks Super Bowl. A Ravens and Niners Super Bowl. I do feel like those money lines have a lot more value because that's exactly what. In sports, nothing really works out that way. It is so rare that it works out that way. You pointed out, yes, the two best teams made the Super Bowl last year. That is correct. It's not very often that that happens. Similar to yeah. when you're making your March Madness bracket, right? Don't yeah. put all your one seeds making your Final Four. Um, I feel like there's a lot more value to put on the money line in those two one seed games, either of them getting upset, than backing the Bucks here against one of um, a Lions team that's going to be just as scrappy, if not more scrappy, than this Bucks teams. But if we have to tease something, yeah, I'll tease the Lions down to minus a half, even though I I kind of feel in my gut that I'm probably going to be taking Buccaneers plus six and a half, which I don't really feel like middling a divisional playoff game. But um, if you can convince me on another leg in the teaser, I'll do it with you. But I'm not really sold on any of these other ones, to be honest. It's fair. I, I think... One thing that I, I didn't mention is the Bucks defense is phenomenal against the run, and obviously the, the Lions have really been good against the run that are using the run this year with Dave Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. But I think with what you saw, the the Bucks stacking the box and and bringing a bunch of pressure, I think Jared Goff is going to be very fine. He's going to do really well against that with with quick routes to Amon Ra, quick routes to to Sam Laporta, getting these guys in open space and letting them run. I think. I think we're going to see something similar to what the Bucks did to the Eagles, um, with the with the Lions to to the Bucks. But I, I I agree. I think the line's a little large right now. We'll kind of see how things move. But there's a reason that it, it's you know been bet from six to six and a half. I'll I'll leave it at that. Agreed. Moving to everyone's favorite game of the week, an absolute banger to end our Sunday night divisional wild or divisional playoff round. Chiefs plus two and a half. It opened at three. Just I think they did that to test the waters and was bet down to two and a half. And now is at two and a half. Chiefs plus two and a half in Buffalo. Fifty six percent of the bets on the Bills. Seventy three percent of the money on the Bills. At seventeen percent sharp differential total set at forty six. It dropped to forty five and a half in some spots. Fifty four percent of the bets on the over. Sixty one percent of the money on the over as well. Keep in mind, uh, as we talked about the sharp differential on the totals, it went six and zero in the wild card round. So that's pretty cool. Not to say that that will happen again, but I still lean under in a lot of these. Um, Chiefs-Bills, what more is there to say? How much history is there between Mahomes and Allen? And obviously the goes back to the playoff game that made the rules change in regards to the overtime stuffs with the 13 seconds for Mahomes or whatever. So this is a really, really big game. First time that Mahomes is playing a road playoff game, which I think is absolutely crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> it's insane. It's crazy. So that, yeah. Anybody that discounts his greatness uh, does not watch him enough and just wants something to knock on him because that is absolutely insane that it's taken this long to get to this point. I mean, these guys have these guys have matched up now. Um, this will be the seventh time these guys have played since October of 2020. <laughs> awesome. And, and and I mean, not obviously not all of them are playoff games. Two of them were. So this will be the third time they've matched off in the playoffs now uh both times the bills have lost in the playoffs to them but in their regular season matchups during that span the bills are three and one which i find to be interesting when it comes down to it patty mahomes has done well but then again they've all been an arrowhead in fact out of those six matchups only one of them has been in buffalo all the other five the the first one in 2020 so no fans uh because it was october of 2020 and then the other five were all in KC. So the Bills fans finally get to have their say. And let's hope that there's still some snow on the ground because I was uh, I was loving all the snowballs that are being thrown onto the field. I thought it was hilarious. Whether people dislike that or not, I think it's bad sportsmanship. I thought it was pretty funny. Well, there you go. There, there's a take for sure. Uh, one thing I didn't mention for the previous game that we should definitely talk about here is the Bills playing on Monday and then playing on Sunday, obviously with a day shorter of rest, two days shorter of rest than the Chiefs had. I think is relatively important. Uh, I, I assume the Chiefs, you know, went and won that game and immediately started preparing as if they were going to play the Bills 
based on what had happened earlier in the day. So that's of note. I think that's important. Obviously, the Chiefs have to travel here, which is a massive thing. And the first thing you got to look at is the Bills' defense. The Bills' defense was banged up to start the year, and that's when they weren't so great. And then they kind of transitioned into getting healthier and healthier, and that's when they've been playing really, really well. But in the Steelers game, in the frigid cold and the snow, more people did get hurt, and I think that's a bit of an issue here for the Bills' defense. Um, and then, obviously, on the other side, you got the Chiefs' defense where they kind of just went and, and took care of, of, of a really high-potent offense, which there's a lot to be said about the temperatures and, you know, the, to his ability to really just to, to play at his capability. Take that with a grain of salt, maybe. Yeah, kind of going off of what you said with the rest disadvantage that the Bills have, I do find that to be pretty interesting because KC has had the rest advantage twice this year and are both 2-0 and ATS and straight up. Wow. Meanwhile, though, Buffalo, for having five games with rest disadvantage this year, were 3-2 and ATS but 4-1 and straight up. So um, I do find that to be interesting that despite having that rest disadvantage, they still have been able to weather the storm and um, hasn't seen it hinder their abilities too much. But these guys, for what it's worth, these guys know each other pretty well because they've been playing each other so often these last couple of years that um, I think it's a good point. But is it something that we should put as much interest into compared to some of these other games where there could be some rest advantage, disadvantages, uh, opportunities? I'm not sure. That's fair. Yeah, it's totally fair. I, I I think at the end of the day, the Bills are gonna really gonna they're gonna come rested. This is a this is one of those like we need to win. Like the the <laughs> their entire fan base wanted this matchup. I'm sure the Chiefs fan base were kind of scared of this matchup, especially yeah. having to go to Buffalo. So my instinct is to lean the home favorite in, in the Bills. I I think this might be the time that Josh Allen and, and company get it done. My worry is the Bills injuries on defense. I don't think the Chiefs offense is is good enough right now with Rasheed Rice and a half good Travis Kelsey. Isaiah <laughs> Pacheco has looked, has looked pretty good. Infatuated Travis Kelsey? Yeah. Um, yeah, infatuated with Taylor Swift. I think Isaiah Pacheco has really uh, made made an outstanding, you know, improvement and, and done really well this year. So he's, he's doing really well. But McDermott's going to have a plan to just like he did with Mason Rudolph tricking him, he's not going to be able to trick, obviously, Mahomes. But <laughs> this is going to be an opportunity for for the Bills really to make a statement and to, to to finally get that win over the Chiefs. I think right now I'm currently leaning Bills, but I mean, there's a lot that could happen over this week and with what we see and how the line changes. It, it's going to be really fun to watch. It's obviously this is going to be the most entertaining game of the week, and no no matter what happens. Yeah, I mean, this was the game that flipped the switch for the Bills when they went into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs because they have not lost since. So, like, they were all over the place. Um, I mean, once November ended and they lost to the Eagles, it, there was a lot of talk about this team not even making the playoffs. But they've gone on and won six straight now, including the win uh, against Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Um, they are 4-2 ATS in that spread as well as well as three and three on totals. So for me, it does seem like they are doing well, winning games as well as covering the spread. With this one, if you do, I I, I feel like I just have to say it. You have to, I, I do want to caution that like, if you feel that the Bills are going to win, just take their spread. It's not very often that these games end at one point or two points. So don't burn your money on spending more uh, for the money line at an extra juice. Just take on the risk that they're going to win by three or more. But if you like the Chiefs, then sure, it's fine to get a little extra boost on on some of that juice. But um, for me, it, it is just a tale of two two forms here because Casey has been quite the opposite story where they had that loss against y'all on November 20th, beat Vegas and lost at Green Bay, lost against Buffalo, only beat the Pats by 10, um, and then lost to Las Vegas. Technically, they're on a three-game win streak now after their win against Miami. But who's that against? It's against Cincinnati. It's against um, at the Chargers. I almost said the Clippers because it's LAC. And then, um, and then the Miami piece where, um, again, we should have known it was always the Chiefs in that one. But I think now we need to actually talk about the Chiefs form as opposed to me kind of overreacting and, and siding with the Dolphins in that past one. It feels like now is the time because you are, when you look at these teams in the playoffs, you want to go with the hot hand. You want to go with the team yeah. that's much more informed than the other side. And 
they finally get their opportunity to have him at home too, which is exciting for Bills fans. Yeah, and that's a great point. Like, I might sprinkle a little bit on on Bills to win the AFC because if the Ravens come out slow and still manage to beat the Texans, you know, not cover but still win, this is an opportunity to really just follow that hot hand and say the Bills are actually going to make the Super Bowl. And I'm kind of rethinking my thoughts about the Ravens being the best chance to win the Super, make the Super Bowl. Uh, if the Bills can stay hot and, and and surpass these injuries that they've had on defense and they might be able to with the lack of explosiveness that the Chiefs offense is going to show. Uh, this is a this is a possibility for them. I think. I think going back to the Chiefs' defense, you know, they the, that's that's what's been great for them, but they've only really had to do so much against you know the Cincinnati fucking defense offense and the Dolphins' offense that was obviously not as good as it could have been based on one their injuries and then two, the the weather. So, a lot of angles to talk about here, um, but I I think this is the time the Bills get it done. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I, I'm I'm right there with you, man. I really do feel like this is the time. And if it's not, then do we just officially say that Mahomes is Josh Allen's daddy? Because he basically <laughs> is at that point. Like if you, they may may, may beat you every time in the regular season, uh, Chiefs fans. But I mean, if you can go three and zero against them in the playoffs, then I think that that's that's huge. It almost feels like uh, kind of like the Peyton and, and Brady thing, where Brady kind of dominated at times, but Peyton was able to get a couple wins here and there, which actually made it a rivalry. So you don't want this to turn into Brady versus Andrew Luck because the Colts did not win against the Pats the entire 2010s. We don't we don't want that to happen to the Bills in this rivalry in the playoffs. Given how difficult too it is to like consistently win in the NFL, going back to back in the in the Super Bowl is very very difficult. And you know, at the end of the day, the Chiefs are going to have to lose at some point. And in my opinion, and this is a ample opportunity for it to, for it to happen. So. Leaning, leaning bills for me. Um, I don't see, I don't like the the Chiefs plus eight and a half as the other leg of the teaser. I just, I, they probably cover that, but I don't, I don't think they get blown out by the Bills. But there's definitely an opportunity they do so if you know people drop balls and and the Bills defense makes some some turnovers happen. Yeah, kind of like that. I'm, I'm on one under, I'm on one over, I'm on one dog, and I'm on one favorite. There's not a, there's not a lot of siding with one way or the other i feel like i've got a mixed bag and that very very rarely happens I feel like i'm always on like one majority of sides or the other with this slate i was thinking about it too with the teaser with that texan spread starting to move do we lock in all and take it all the way up to 16 or 15 and <laughs> a half? i mean but then again like if you say 15 and a half then i'd much rather just get the ravens down to minus two and a half you know but um uh i think I think I think Lions minus or minus a half is a lock. I think we I think we both agree with that. I, I I'll don't give see you Baker. that leg since I doubted you last time. Since I doubted you last time, I'll give it to you. Even though I really like the Bucks spread, um, I'll I'll let you dictate that leg there. Since I the two that I said that I liked ended up both being losers last week. We're staying away, obviously, from Chiefs Bills. So it's got to be it's got to be either one of the dogs or one of the large favorites. And historically, the dogs are better at covering in this in these sides. So. Do you want to go Texans plus what? Has the line moved to to ten yet, or is it what? No, it's at nine. I mean, yeah, nine and a half still. And then they're both nine and a half. So, but nine and a half plus one hundred two for the for the for the Ravens. Interestingly enough, mm. I so, think the Packers have a better opportunity of covering the than the Texans. But that's my opinion. One to, one total is obviously way higher too. So maybe you want to get the Texans in the lower total game. That's what I'm saying. And just seeing that like ESPN bets at seven and a half. Um there was oh, and then profit exchange is down to eight and a half. But it that's is moving all sourced. Down across yeah, all boards. The, sc- yeah. the score is at plus seven and a half. Bet victors at plus eight and a half. And uh Jazz is at eight and a half, yeah. I mean there's Pinnacle only still a nine, nine and a half. half. Pinnacle, but stake yep. and bet ninety nine are both at eight and a half. Like there's Several smaller scale books that are starting to move, but you do see like some of these bigger ones kind of holding their ground. I, I I'm okay. I'm okay with the Texans hit plus six fifteen and a half. I'm down for that. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll take that as a second leg. It's it goes completely against everything that I have <laughs> sworn uh, to Mister Wong himself in the Wong teaser methodology. But I will go. It's fine. If we're gonna do another sharp with the public teaser. We go the Lions down to a pick them at minus half a point, and we go with the Texans 
all the way up to plus 16. Both of those are very public, DJ. And the public went three and one last year. It's okay. 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 It was the totals they did bad on. Yeah, they the totals they did really bad on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the pinnacle yeah. line just moved back to 10 for the, for the Niners. It's going to keep teetering back and forth where for those who want to sit there and watch in line shop, go <laughs> ahead. You have a few days to do so before they settle in, I feel like. I'm going to lock in Packers plus 10 now that it, it just moved to 10. So, Official play. Official play. That's your favorite of the week too, right? It's got to be. It's the only bet I took today, I guess. Yeah. I, I am going to go ahead and lock in the under 43 and a half. And I, could, I, I actually see under 44 here for the Texans yeah, and Ravens 44. game. That's my, that's Fan, my best bet right now. FanDuel has 44 and a half at minus 120 if you'd like that. No, fuck the juice. Give me, I just need 44 flat. Um, I, uh, it, it's, it just falls into some of the trends that I gave out for the under for that game. The weather piece is very interesting. It is going to come down to a Ravens defense that has been spectacular all season, as well as a Texans defense that showed out really nicely against the Browns. Now, are they going to have a bajillion picks and completely thump? the Ravens offense no that's not going to happen that's why the spread is so large but will they be able to at least hold their own we've seen the Ravens in some close ones this year they've had some blowouts but they've also had several close ones too historically have kind of like let teams back in um over the last couple of years I feel like so I do think it will be a little bit closer than anticipated and um with that a low total with the shitty weather give it to me DJ I'll, I'll go with under 44 it's my it's Got some fun bets. It's going to be such an awesome another week of NFL playoff football. Hopefully, we can stay hot. At least I can stay hot. Seven and two, currently in in the playoffs. Andy, not so great. One and five or one and four. <laughs> one and four. One and four. It's okay. <laughs> It'll turn around. Don't you worry. Uh, you also won the juice, you know, on the Texans money line. So don't forget that. For sure. Yeah. Couldn't forget <laughs> it as I had just threw away money on Cowboys as well as Cowboys to win the NFC. You should listen to me. I sometimes know what I'm talking about. Sometimes. Keyword. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Okay. Thank you all for listening. As always, this has been Sharp in the Public. Uh, if you have, please like, subscribe, comment, anything on YouTube as we post these on YouTube now. Give us a follow on Spotify. Rate the podcast. Uh, let us know on about anything that you think is good or bad at DJHH Sports on Twitter or at AndyHH Sports on Twitter. We appreciate all the support as always. Thank you guys so much. We will see you next week when we talk about the NFC Championship game as well as the AFC Championship game talking more NFL football and public betting trends. Cheers, everybody. The boys bet better with beer.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sharpen the Public. A lot of effort goes into this and everything we do at Happy Hour Sports, so we would really appreciate it if you would follow, rate, and most importantly, share the podcast. Share it with someone who needs to be sharpened because I know those people are everywhere. Thank you again, and we'll see you in the next one.